Welcome again to Stephanie and Stephanie Talk Tunes. I'm Stephanie Myers. What's up, y'all? Stephanie Pena here. So excited that you're back with us, Talk Tuners. We are here with episode 52, and we are thrilled. Going to be having a fun one today, talking about a really cool band. And Stephanie, I know you saw some really cool bands uh, here that really connect to our 90s miniseries today, which we're continuing. And I thought it was a really neat uh, stories that you had there with your concerts. Yeah, let me kick it. So <laughs> definitely 90s centric, y'all. So <clears throat> if you guys have been listening to us for a while, you do understand I am in the city of San Antonio. And in San Antonio, every April, there's a two-week festival called Fiesta, which is basically a big city party all over. And it is known, it's kind of similar to, to Mardi Gras. And my favorite event is the Oyster Bake, which takes place at St. Mary's University. And the reason why I love it so much is because it draws household band names from all different genres, from rock to Tejano to hip hop, country, onto this campus. And it, it's always a great time. And of course, there's beer, of course phenomenal beer and really good eats. And so that, that's all what I'm about. I'm all about food. I'm all about music. So sign me up. So anyway, y'all, um, it's not too far away from this festival. Maybe about a, a month ago, I went out to Oyster Bay and I got to see some essential 90s band. And one in particular I want to talk about is Everclear. Y'all remember Everclear? Stephanie, I know you jammed Everclear oh, in yeah. the 90s. Sure. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So I was super stoked. I didn't expect it. Um, from you know, for Everclear to be there, and it was awesome. So Everclear, right now, the frontman Art. I can never say his last name right. Do you know how to pronounce his last name, Stephanie? Uh, Alexis, Alexis, but it's but it's spelled differently. Yeah, it is. It is okay. Right on. So he's still the frontman. The other original members are no longer with him, but didn't skip a beat. He played all the favorites from Sparkle and Fade, so much off, uh, so much for the Afterglow. Those were the big '90s hits. I mean, yeah. to, to bring it back, Santa Monica. Um, you know, oh, yeah. I'll buy you a new life. I mean, Santa Monica, man. Santa Monica yeah. is a good, good jam. So yeah. that was their closer. Um, you know, he was even mentioning during his set, Stephanie, that he was like, man, the 90s are back. The young people want the 90s. And I swear to God, I am getting to that point where I'm like, were you guys even born when this episode, I mean, excuse me, this episode, this album <laughs> came out? Like, they don't know, right? They totally. Were like, we're there. We're there. And that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's all right. That's what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to carry the torch. And that's basically what Everclear was doing that night. They were carrying the torch, introducing young folks giving me and my husband the chance to reminisce and it was a damn good time that was on friday so it's two days i went friday they were the headliner for the friday rock stage and then the next day the headliner was actually the the band before the headliner was pod and pod yeah 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 they're from san diego pod actually formed in 94 y'all so still fits that but they didn't really make their splash until the early 2000s mm-hmm. and pod for me is definitely one of my faves because they're new metal they are rap rock and holy shit stephanie this was nuts so they're playing all their jams right boom south town satellite youth of a nation and i shit you not there was a legit pit a legit pit. I was so happy. It made me so happy. I mean, and it was pit from our days, pit. So you got people like 
videotaping. I'm like, why? Whatever. Anyway, I was standing off on the side, but that vibe was there. It was great. Um, I did take a couple of, uh, you know, did some recording myself because it, it had some good energy. I really, really loved it. And uh, yeah, it was a great time. So yeah, so on that point, talking about 90s bands, as Stephanie mentioned, we're going to continue um, our 90s mini-sode. Today we are talking about a very, very unique band, a, uh, a band that has influenced many, many acts they are Texas grown. Um, they're called the Butthole Surfers. And we're going to be covering their song, Pepper, that was released in 1996. to continue our 90s mini-series with the Butthole Surfers. For folks who don't know, they were formed in San Antonio, Texas, by... <laughs> your fifth, your fifth. Uh, by singer Gibby Haynes and guitarist Paul Leary in 1981. Like many, many bands, this band's had numerous personnel changes, but yep. it's... yeah. The core lineup of Haynes and Larry and drummer King Coffee has been consistent since 1983, which is pretty rare, right? Oh my God. Yes. Yes. I do remember that they had a different drummer at some points, but man, that's, that's so rare. I, I, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah to have that kind of staying power. Right. And yeah. yeah, just have been around for so long and been consistent and I'm wondering if talk tuners really know that they were known initially and how they got started was known for their outlandish shows. And it was purposeful. It was fun. It was intentional. There's a great oral history in the San Antonio Current, and it talked about the history of their shows. I loved reading it. But Paul Leary was in there and he said, the visual elements that we incorporated into our shows were absurd. We projected films of penis reconstruction surgery layered with scenes of Charlie's Angels and meat processing. We used strobe lights and smoke machines to absurd excesses. We had belching flames from the ceilings and 12-gauge shotgun blasts on stage every night. We became what we wanted to see in a rock show. And if you've listened to this podcast at all, talk tuners, you know my very favorite thing is showmanship in live shows. So I do really appreciate that about the Butthole Surfers. 
Well, fuck yeah. And think about it. They started in, what, 81? Can you imagine the 80s? A totally different time in America. Going on a show, you're like, what in the fuck did I sign up for? And loving it! Loving every minute of it! And, you know, just hearing that little piece from this article, Stephanie, makes me think, oh yeah, they definitely influenced Guar. They definitely influenced Primus. They All these bands, and these are just two at the top of my head. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Green Jelly? Yeah, I mean, yeah. About 90, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. you know, they have, they paid homage to the butthole surfers for sure. Cause wow, that I can see a lot of uh, parallels there. Yeah, total agreement. Total agreement. I was just, uh, I went down a real rabbit hole, right? When I started mm-hmm. researching the history of their shows, I was sure. fascinated. There's another little gem from that piece. It said the first time the butthole surfers played was at a San Antonio art gallery, the Davenport gallery, the owner which, like, can you imagine, right? Like, let's just unpack that for a moment. <laughs> right? I was like, hmm, good times. <laughs> good times. I would love to see some video coverage of that, if there's any. Oh, my God. No but yeah, kidding. tell us about it. So what, what happened at this art gallery? It, yeah, I was like, I can't. I was really trying to process it. Um, <laughs> and it said... Uh, the owners loved it, but couldn't hear the lyrics. We had a PA for the second show, and when they heard the lyrics for the first time to, quote, I fuck your wife, and quote, butthole surfer, well, they didn't like it much. That was that. But Gibby was a showman. He had a pet roach and made a photocopy of it. Oh, gross. Let's stop right there for a moment. Pet roach made a photocopy of it. And then it said, it was like a ticker tape parade but all the confetti had images of cockroaches. We were playing as the Dick Clark Five, the idea being we'd get sued by Dick Clark and get publicity. That was Paul's idea. I love this, right? It's like, we're going to get in people's consciousness no matter what. We're going to take these different forms. We don't give a shit. I love it. It's brilliant. That is brilliant. I yeah, talk it. about 180, right? So they knew what they were doing. They're at the family, you know, oriented art gallery. I'm sure that is gold. I love it. Oh my God. Great. Yeah. And I was just like, oh man. So that's, I was like, this is perfect. The way they inspired so many bands of being like, we're going to get our name out there no matter what. So obviously <laughs> they were open to that, right? My skin's crawling, thinking about a pet cockroach. What the <laughs> hell? I hate roaches, dude. And in Texas, they're big. For people who have never been to Texas, these motherfuckers fly. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm getting, I'm grossing myself out. All right, Steph, continue. Yeah. Let me get this imagery out right. of my head. Right. But, you know, we're painting the picture, so. Mm-hmm. Crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and finally, I'll just share. <laughs> I know I'm dying. Finally, I'll just share one more thing about uh, from that article. Just talked about Gibby Haynes' overall antics because we want to really paint the picture, right? Right. So uh, there's a quote in there. Uh, he was a tall, skinny guy, an accounting student in a black leather jacket. He was also <laughs> the president of the Theta Fraternity. And they were the hardcore party fraternity house, not just suds, if you know what I mean. He was the last person in that frat. The university oh shut it down trying to clean up the school's image. You know what? Say no more. Say less. 
Oh my gosh. All right, y'all. So let me bring it full circle there. So the university that these guys were attending here in SA, it was Trinity University. And this is in the late 70s when they met. This is a prestigious Christian college. It was founded by the Presbyterian Church back, back, back in the day. So yeah, this frat had to be shut down. That was not going to be fitting with the origins of the founding of Trinity. Oh my God, that is so great. And this goes to show too, you know, that they were they were the oddballs, and that's putting it lightly. And I love it. Absolutely love it. And even to think back when they started, not only that, yes, they met in college, they, you know, they're, they're, they're at a, a Christian university, whatever, but the vibe 70s and 80s in San Antonio is completely different than what it is now. You know, I live here, it has changed for the better, and it still kept, still does keep its roots that I absolutely love because I am. Very proud of my city. But in all honesty, San Antonio has a slogan, and it's called Keep San Antonio Lame. And that (laughs) is true. There is a love-hate relationship with San Antonio and Austin. Listeners on the line may know that Austin's tagline is Keep Austin Weird. In the Mm -hmm. early 2000s, um, some artists created Keep San Antonio Lame. And it's because San Antonio is very tried in tradition very 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 tied in tradition and it just it's a different town and you know you know just demographically ethnicity we are a latino town 60 60 percent plus are latinos here in san antonio it is a completely different vibe it doesn't have all the glitz and glam that dallas houston and even austin would have so it's Mm. completely different um, and I love it. I absolutely love that these guys came in and created some amazing shit. So on that note, butthole surfers as a whole, they're loved by West Coast artists. Completely loved. I have, and I was kind of thinking when, Stephanie, when I was writing this, I'm like, what is it about butthole surfers? Well, my brain just started going and I'm like, cause they have that psychedelic piece to them, you know? Right. Like yeah. they're like psych rock, you know, it's punk. For sure, but there's some, there's some definitely some psych, um, even a, like a tad bit of shoegazer. But I'm like a tad, like n- nothing like nothing like true shoegazer. Would you agree? I do, and I would add, I hear influences from the 13th floor elevators. And if talk to yes. are not familiar with uh, with the band the 13th floor elevators and uh, Rocky Erickson, there too. Yeah. Very to me, I can hear influences there and they are as a side note fantastic if uh, folks are looking to delve into that sound totally agree i started thinking about the doors yeah psychedelic rock boom you know in your face and we do have a good episode about the doors you guys should check out anyway aside from that so yes west coast artists definitely love love them kirk cobain love them gave tons of props check this out y'all to bring it back to the 90s Paul Leary, who is a guitarist, he ended up moving to Austin and started producing records. He actually produced Sublime self-titled album in 1996. You can't go anywhere even to this day and not hear Sublime. Like, everybody knows a Sublime song. Like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. That is awesome. And that's something that I learned. So, yeah. Definitely got a lot of love from the West Coast. Um, I was introduced to them in the early 90s by no other than Beavis and Butthead. I'm sure, Stephanie, you were watching Beavis and Butthead, too. Come on. We all were. All right. I love it. Absolutely love it. And what Beavis and Butthead did, for those folks that may not know or just need a little bit of refreshing, is they showed cutting-edge artists 
videos, music videos, clips. And Beavis and Butthead would be sitting on their couch just making commentary, just banter. And I saw uh, Who Was In My Room Last Night, which is my favorite song from them. And this particular video, just to tie in 90s as in general, it has uh, Gibby driving to like a sort of strip club of sorts. And Flea, who's a guitarist in Red Hot Chili Peppers, is a shirtless bartender. You know, just whipping up some drinks. And it's like, yep, here you go. Here's your poison. It's just random. It's random shit. And I absolutely <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. You know, <laughs> so yeah, if you haven't seen that video, you need to check it out. Um, it's great. <laughs> but, you know, just just thinking about, just for a minute, just like when they started and the origins of being in San Antonio, um, you know, being a punk band was different. San Antonio, when it comes to rock, it's metal, like like yeah. the, the roots, complete mm-hmm. roots. And even though, I mean, you know, Stephanie, that metal and punk, they they definitely complement each other. You know, there is a lot of, comp- you know, compliments with their sounds, influences. But, you know, at this time when they started, everybody had a damn label. Yeah. You know, like, I am metal. I love country. I'm a punk, you know. So I can only imagine how hard it must have been for them to pick up, you know, like I say, a following, a big following in San Antonio at this time. And I'm pretty sure folks didn't know what to do with that sound. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and to your point, Stephanie, metal and punk are the proverbial kiss and cousins of music, right? Like they borrow so much from each other. And those scenes are similar in a lot of ways. They diverge yes. in a lot of ways, but it's a, I feel like it's a real, can become a real like musical home for people, those scenes, mm-hmm. both musicians and um, just fans, right? Yeah. So I think that's really cool, right? Because it's a subculture with a place that's kind of big tent for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. And those are my, you know, from rock, those are my two favorite subgenres. So yeah. Yeah. All right. I yeah. follow the mold. Totally. <laughs> totally. And speaking of punk, you know, I mean, the butthole surfers had this, as we keep alluding to, right? Longtime punk reputation just in the scene for so, so long before they mm-hmm. struck with pepper. So I'd found this really great article, Texas Monthly. It just talked about how um, the uh, the butthole surfers would perform just weird films. Uh, Gibby Haynes often naked. I don't know how they kind of got away with that, but they're like, yeah. My mind's going, what the fuck? Okay, yeah. okay. Like, how did he not get, you know, bypass those indecency laws? But... Uh, <laughs> They talked about, they're like, August 1996, um, when it was, uh, the song Pepper was coming out, they said, you know, it's this psychotic, scatological band emerging from Austin's punk scene, Mm -hmm. played played the real shocking show by going on David Letterman. And wow. So, and they said, uh, this article was really, it was funny because they were like, well, longtime fans were livid at that. Right, oh, sure. Because they're just, just like, well, what the hell is this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but to mm-hmm. I think new audiences, they're like, well, this is different, and they're they're definitely right. different. Yeah, but they were. I mean, I hate to use the word watered down, but you have to be for Letterman. You A know, bit for I mean, national TV, TV on network. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you have to be. So yeah, you know, yeah, I I can see that, but whatever, they're still great. But I could I could imagine folks who had been there from the beginning, or 
got into them and happened to see their real shows like what is this madness like but yeah they wouldn't make the national television spot if they didn't tame it tame it no, yeah. not water it down tame it down because they always no matter what i saw them fully clothed we'll go into that later <laughs> they're not really naked on the, on the set but yeah they're yeah i can i can get it i can get it. totally totally and you know, to this additional point too, where people were like, "Well, what's going on? What's going on with this song, Pepper?" People uh, thought that they were ripping off Beck, uh, Lord. <laughs> which I thought was funny. And the Texas Monthly article too talked about how some suggested this is an intentional ripoff, or it was a send up of Beck. Oh, um, please! Which to me, it's like uh, there's room for there's room for everybody, especially when it's like, Oh, things are a little offbeat. Like there's room for that offbeatness or whatever. But, um, the butthole surfers made the point. They had always denied Beck had any influences. The article goes on to say the song's narcotic rhythms were influenced by trip hop groups like massive attack and tricky that the nice. buttholes were into at the time. And, uh, uh, coffee traced the song's roots to soul to souls club hit back to life and what yeah and they were like hey we were connecting the dots we're showing our interest in dj culture um is genuine and goes back to this and i thought that was cool too to be like hey we're wearing our influences on our sleeve and actually they go back this way they don't go back and you know they go back further than you guys are thinking so i thought that was cool it's like hey yeah we'll tell you we're influenced by things but actually it's this way and want you guys to know. So it's a little bit of like, you kind of need to know your music history when something Mm -hmm. new comes on the scene um, that you might not be used to hearing. It's like, where did that actually come from? Well, let's take a step back. Right. And so Stephanie, on your point, like I keep saying, you know, Beck, yeah, whatever. Right. Because Beck at this time, his biggest hit was loser. And so I can understand where some people were like, Oh, this is similar because of that, that, uh, you know, that, that, that thump. I, mean, I don't know how to explain it. Maybe it was the bass. I don't know. I'm not a musician. But I think of, you know, Loser, the way it starts. Dun, 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 dun. Yep. Okay. And so Pepper starts that way too, but they're different sounds. So I can get that. But for both of these artists, those songs are completely different than anything else they do. Yeah. Beck does all sorts of different things. And, you know, Butthole Surfers too. They're both, these artists, period, are both uh, experimental the best way to put it. They do all different types of sounds and that's awesome. But so I love that you found that. That's really interesting. Um, but you know, here in San Antonio land back in 96, Pepper was all over the radio, of course. Right. You're like, ah, San Antonio, homegrown, true university forever. Um, you know, <laughs> definitely on the rock station all the time. And Hey, y'all, um, I love to talk about videos. You talk about that a lot. Um, the video for this song <laughs> is pretty insane. And for folks, um, the song Pepper is talking about crazy mayhem, crime in Texas, period. That's what it's talking about. And the video itself, it's like a 1960s style, uh, like clip footage of a group being arrested in Texas for a hotel kidnapping while the media is around. <laughs> and um, it's a, it's very extremely interesting the the segment the the video is filmed in black and white it's broken up with some color footage it's just all over the place and eric estrada is uh the kidnapping victim in this particular video (laughs) and he's quoted to say um that the video 
according to him and the director, basically the overall vibe of this particular video was supposed to portray how directors um, spoon feed images to the audience. So this is more of like, hey, um, we're going to take this over the top and I have this idea and you're just going to eat it. <laughs> Which I could kind of say would probably be the feel for a butthole. Wait, wait, no, for the, the butthole surfer shows that I didn't see. That's all I got to say for the ones that I didn't see. Um, I don't know. Steph, your thoughts? Yeah. Well, I got to just say for the video for a second, um, it's very funny that they got Eric Estrada to star in this video. Tuck tuners who might not know him. He's from Chips, the old show Chips. And it's like, I love it when, um, when folks are cast in an interesting way. Uh, that you wouldn't expect. That's like my favorite type of thing, especially when you get people to agree, right. To do this kind of thing that are outside of their wheelhouse. So anyway, I thought it was doubly funny for that reason. And, you know, good Lord, if talk tuners haven't seen this video, like definitely go on YouTube and watch yeah. it. Cause you'll be like, okay, mine's is blown. Watch this shit. And there's plenty of other shorts on YouTube of people's reaction when they watch this video, which is so funny doing research for this. And yes, and if you don't know what Chips is, it's a cop show. So it all comes full circle. Um, but it's not like the, the show that you would see on network television. But anywho. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. All right, so Steph, tell me about when you saw them. I know we, we both saw them separately and have our own special memories with this band. Yeah, I think it's so cool that we both got to see them. Uh, and as we have just spoken about... At length, they're super fun to see live. Uh, as you can also imagine, it's a little bit different, um, relatively modern day to what they were doing early, yes. early on, even though it's still, you know, uh, fun and little elements that are shocking or fun. But I got to see them. It was New Year's Eve in Williamsburg, Brooklyn in 2010 with my friend Ethan, they were really, really fun as we awesome. assumed that they were going to be. There was confetti cannons. There was just, there was great visual elements just to make sure, you know, people, I think uh, we're having, um, you know, it's like as fun with the visuals as they were with the music and making sure the audience yes. felt, I think, satiated in that way. And mm -hmm. so I had a wonderful time. It was so cool. It was, as you can imagine, a super high energy show in general, so much fun. But again, you talk about showmanship. Gibby Haynes has it in droves. Like, and I think he always will. And it was so yeah. Fun. He owns it. He absolutely yeah. owns it. And he's gonna mesmerize you and you're gonna watch him. Like you, yeah. you let's just say you know the music, you've heard him on the radio, you've heard the CDs, and well nowadays you've stream them. But when you see him, it's a completely different vibe. You just don't it, it's awesome, it's fantastic. I got to see him in 96, but before that, I do want to mention that I missed him in 93 because, yes, I was growing up, and I was <laughs> too young, and I'll put that in parentheses, too young, even though the next year I started going to rock shows, but in 93, they hit San Antonio with the Stone Temple Pilots at Sunken Garden Theater. Man, I wanted to go to that show so bad. I'm so sure. Cool. Uh, if anyone's listening to this and happened to be catch a show off that tour, please let us know. Y'all know that we just celebrated our 50th with Stone Temple Pilots. So what, what a great bill. Um, 
I saw them in 96. So right when Pepper was at its height, right? Um, so that was great. I saw them in Second Garden as well. And it was it was like the ode to badass Texas bands. They should have named it that, the, the tour. Because I saw the Toadies, which they're from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Reverend Horton Heat is from the same area. And then you have Butthole Surfers. It was an extremely hot July. I mean, oh my God. And at that time, Stephanie, you know, I had to be all real about it and wear jeans and my docks and black shirt and I'm, I'm all about it. And yeah, oh my God, I, I fried. But it was so great. When Butthole Surfers came on, it was in the evening and they had the visuals and they were just like nonstop, just like fucking dancing and interacting with the crowd and just and blowing people's minds. Because even at this time, Many people just knew what Pepper was, you know? So they yeah. was like oh, waiting for that song. Cause y'all, this is the one that made them a hit, a big yeah. household name for the mainstream. So motherfuckers didn't know what <laughs> to expect. Right. Like, what is this? And a completely different sound from the Toadies. The Toadies is a rock band. Love them, love them, love them. Just it, rock. Reverend Horn Heat is psychobilly. That's completely different type of sound, you know? Um, and then you have butthole surfers. Holy shit. God bless Texas, man. They make some badass artists. One night only. I'm so glad I saw that. And I do remember them playing, you know, who was in my room that night. And I just like, yeah, and exploding. <laughs> and, you know, it was like so stoked. But I had friends that were like, I just know Pepper. And I'm like, well, get ready for this shit. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be so crazy. And, you know, thinking about their visuals, I will say this. I'm a big Queens of the Stone Age fan. And I think that they definitely had some influence. Butthole Surfers had some influence on Queens. Thinking just from their, um, just real quick, just their um, album, uh, Songs for the Death, and their videos. They're very cartoony and different. And Butthole Surfers, if you go back to their videos, um, aside from Pepper, they have those same visual elements. So I don't know, just some, some type of brain fart I just had because we have to, we have to give love. This is shows about music. We're all about music enthusiasts, but like Stephanie, I don't know if you've seen like those early videos from Queens of the Stone Age. I, I feel some butthole surfers uh, influence there for sure. And the visuals at least. Yeah. I always think about influence and I'm very fascinated just about the history of music videos in general. And I always just think like, well, what came first and yeah. who's doing fun things and who's doing really cool elements. And I can absolutely see what you're talking about. And I think uh, I give like props to any band who's like, we're going to think outside of the box when it comes to how do we brand ourselves visually, especially mm -hmm. for, you know, it's essentially a short movie that's going to be associated with your song forever. So I do think right. music videos are important in that way. And I could, you know, I could spend a whole episode talking about that. Absolutely. And then in the nineties, as other bands in general, you went for the visual effects. People yeah. were like anticipating this. Like, I mean, I'm, I saw tool in the nineties. Everyone's like, okay, let me look at the visuals on top of seeing, you know, an over the top front man, Mayor James Keenan, do his thing, you know? So it's just, it, it's really cool, man. Uh, but Butthole Surfers, dude, uh, that's awesome. And hey, y'all, they're coming. There's a documentary in the works. I have not been able to find a release date or anything like that, but I know there's been some crowdfunding and they've surpassed their fundraising goal. So this was back in 2022. So maybe um, we're still in the, you know, first half of 2023. So maybe that's in production. Um, and hell yeah. I want to see this. Somebody recorded something from the, you know, 80s and early 90s before I got to see them. So, yeah, I'm, I want to see I want to see this. It's going to be dope. I can't wait. 
I mean, my favorite genre, as I've talked about, is music documentary. So I can't wait. I feel like even when it's bad, it's good uh, when it comes to that (laughs) genre. So uh, sign me up. That sounds fantastic. Hell yeah. You know, I've really enjoyed our 90s mini series, right? And I hope Mm -hmm. Top Tuners have too. We've really, uh, since the beginning of this year, you know, wanted to bring you guys through the 90s and how we experienced it. Yep. And this has been really wonderful. As always, we really would love to hear your stories around 90s music, what that meant for you, your concert memories, that type of thing. Uh, you can reach us and we will we'll periodically read your stories on the show on socials you can follow us wherever one is on the socials on instagram facebook tiktok stephanie's talk tunes on twitter where stephanie's talk you can just email us directly stephanie's talk tunes at gmail.com and our shortcut to all things stephanie and stephanie talk tunes is at stephanie's talk tunes.com that's all episodes that's our merch that's everything you could imagine so please feel free to visit us there Hell yeah. Please do that. And also, hey guys, rain us on Good Pods. Good Pods is a platform where you can find all different types of amazing podcasts. If you happen to go to this platform, just drop us a five-star rating. Um, also, review us on Apple Podcasts. It gives us visibility, and we love to hear your comments. Um, you know, Thank you for everyone who listened today. We appreciate your support. This is Stephanie Pena, and I'm out. Thank you, Talk Tuners. Stephanie Myers, I'm out. I'll see you in two weeks. Peace. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.